Well, thank you guys. There's power in what we've sang already this morning. We're able to sing his praise for endless days, right? And why is that? Because he lives forevermore. This is not someone who has laid in the grave and stayed there. It's not even someone who laid in the grave like Lazarus did and was raised again to new life, only to what? Die again. This is the Lord Jesus, the one and only who is raised from the dead by the power of God and lives forevermore. I love the verse in Hebrews. It says, consequently, because of that, uh, he is able to save to the uttermost. How far, how big, how long-lasting, he's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Why? Because he always, what, lives to make intercession for us. We serve a living Savior this morning. I praise God for our choir and music ministry as they lead us each week in just words of truth. This power makes a difference. Uh, it's a big deal, and I hope it makes a difference uh, in your life, not only for eternal life, but on how you live it and how you experience it uh, each day uh, here on this earth as well. We've been in Ephesians, and if you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. This is a New Testament letter uh, written by the human hand of the Apostle Paul, but inspired and, and divinely given altogether by the Holy Spirit of God. This is authoritative and true. Uh, if you want to be technical, it is inerrant, infallible. This is the Word of God, although it is, it is penned by the hand of this Apostle Paul in prison as he writes to a church that he dearly loves and is concerned for, that they know how dearly loved they are by the Lord Jesus Christ and what that ought to mean uh, for their life. Last week, we talked about <clears throat> uh, unity. Uh, the, the big uh, emphasis here was on that God has made us one together, and because of that oneness, we ought to watch uh, how we walk, that we ought to try to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling with which we've been called. And that may sound like an impossible task. I mean, truly, we've sang about the calling this morning. I mean, what God has done is, is unmatched. How in the world are we going to live worthy of that? Uh, but the word here is it's really a Greek word, axios. It means equal to. You might imagine a seesaw, right? Your life ought to somehow, ought to somehow show evidence that it is pulled along by the weight of what has been done for you. It ought, it ought not to be one up here and one way down here. There ought to be a, a worthiness in our walk that somehow a watching eye could say, there's been a change there. Boy, they're walking in a, in a way that really does match up uh, somehow to what the Lord Jesus has done for them. And so we move today from uh, that picture of walking and of unity to of growth together in the body of Christ. And I've brought some pictures here I want to show you today. You may have seen little pictures like this before. These are remakes of childhood photos, right? You all seen those on whatever, Facebook or the internet. Uh, later, many years later in their 40s, 30s, these people will remake exact pictures of when they were little ones. I'll show you, here's one of what I mean, <clears throat> I think. It's not in the PowerPoint. Is there a PowerPoint? Okay, uh, well, that's a bummer, y'all. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm really sorry about that. But um, anyway, uh, that just shoots the whole introduction. So uh, let, let, me, uh, let me just back up. Let's just start reading, okay? Uh, this is, um, this is a um, text of Scripture 
that is a little bit complicated. And so as we read it, you're going to see that here. And we're not going to take the time to dig real deep into the meaning of some of these that you'll see, these, these complicated verses. We could, uh, but for a couple reasons we won't today. We don't have enough time. Uh, and trusted people all over the world and throughout time have not come to a settled consensus about exactly what is being said in some of these Old Testament quotations and in some of what you'll read here uh, in just a moment. And so um, just keep that in mind. Uh, we could talk about that later and the options of what it may mean. Uh, did Jesus descend into hell, for instance? I, I, I hold the position that he did not. Uh, but there may be many of you here who hold the position that he did descend into hell after his crucifixion. And there is a, a good reason for saying that he did, biblical reason. I think there's more to say that he didn't. And just to be quite simple about it, I'll say this. On the cross, somebody asked Jesus a question. They said, will you remember me? Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today. I will be with you, where? In paradise. A word of comfort, not a, not a neutral paradise. It could be heaven, it could be Sheol, or it could be hell. Uh, but to that word of comfort, today, me and you, together in paradise, in the presence of God. So that, that's uh, one reason I hold that. We're not going to get all into, um, into that today, and we're just going to hit kind of what is the thrust of uh, this uh, passage of Scripture. We got the pictures? No pictures. Okay, anyway. <clears throat> Let's look at the God's Word together. Ephesians chapter 4, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible with you, don't have one in your life, we've got copies for you on the table in the back. We want you to have those, and you feel free to take one for no, for no cost if you need that. There is one body, we're backing up to last week just a little bit, <clears throat> back to the unity. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We are what? We are one by the blood of Christ. I mean, there is unity there. And we talked about peace and, and we talked about uh, all these traits of, of staying unified in the gospel last week. And then the word is here, but, but, yes, you're unified, but grace was given to each of us, each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Within the unity, there's differentiation. There is unification, and then there's differentiation. That Within that union, we, are, we have different skills, different gifts. God is using us in different ways. The Bible refers to the body of Christ as a body, with, with different members and hands and head. Uh, we do different things, and God has done that so that his body, the church, will work. Therefore, it says... <clears throat> When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. This is a reference to Psalm 68, and we won't get into all of that, <clears throat> except that it is to say the Lord Jesus gives gifts to his church. Verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? Or your Bible might say into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Here's what I think that means. I think it means the Lord Jesus was in heaven. He descended and came to be with us. He walked our dirt. He lived a, a, a life here. He went to a cross here and ascended again. 
I don't think it means he descended to the depths of hell after his crucifixion. Uh, Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, listen, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. How do we know if we're growing? I mean, how do we know if we are growing the way that this tells us to do? I think there are three measures here that we want to look at. The first is this. Are we growing in our gifts? Are we growing in our gifts? There are two qualities that stand out here about the gifts that the Bible says are given to believers to be used in his church. The first is this. Every Christian gets at least one gift. Every single Christian gets at least one gift. Look at verse 7. Grace was given to whom? To each one of us. There are no second-rate believers in Christ's church. There are not those who do and then those who sit. Not those who serve and those who watch. A, A gift has been given, at least one gift, to each one of you in this place today. I was in the nursery this morning uh, hanging out with the little babies and uh, with some other people down there and, <clears throat> who watched them, and you see the babies doing different things. Babies start out as little blobs of like nothing, you know. <laughs> they just lay there, you know. They don't do anything. They give nothing back, right? Uh, they just um, they don't even smile at first, and if they do smile, they tell you it's, well, you know what it is. Uh, they, uh, <clears throat> they, they just lay there, but pretty soon they start, you know, smiling, and their personality comes back. And in the nursery today, there's little guys toddling around, and you'd see one over there with the books, right? Opening it up and reading the books and pointing to the things and saying the words. You say, hey, that's a future intellectual, right? Probably. Cow, right? Anyway, a future intellectual there. You see another one over there with the, the, the shapes, putting them in the block, you know, the stars and the circles, and fitting them in the right spots. You say, hey, that's a future engineer, this morning, there was one who had a little cart just ramming it over and over again into the wall. <laughs> Future serial killer, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, every, everybody has a gift. Everybody in the church has something God has called you to do. I mean, it's not all the same either. Praise God that it's not all the same because we need each other for different realities. And if you want to see a kind of a list of these uh, biblical New Testament gifts, they're found in Romans 12, and they're found in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And so you can look that up. That's not an exhaustive list. Uh, there's no evidence from Scripture that that's all, you know, that we, that we can do in the church. But it, those are good biblical lists of kind of what God has equipped us uh, to do. Every Christian gets at least one gift, uh, but also these gifts are distributed by the Lord Jesus, and it matters who we get these gifts from. I mean, it's he himself has looked at your life 
has known you from the beginning, and as a believer has said, this is your part in the kingdom work that I've trusted to you. I'm going to make you an encourager. I'm going to make you a helper. I'm going to make you a leader. I'm going to give you the gift of teaching. We're all going to do this together. And if it comes from the Lord Jesus, then he has purposed it for a reason with intention for his body, the church. That means, the third thing, that they are intended for building up the body of Christ. They're intended for building up the body of Christ. That means if you don't do your part, something's wrong with the body of Christ. When the, when the body of Christ goes to, to, to do something, if you're, if you're the elbow of the church, it's not working. We need you there. My mom just had a hip replacement. She's in her 60s, active, alive, full of energy, healthy, heart, healthy. I mean, you name it. She goes and goes and goes. She's got energy beyond, far beyond what I have. But this hip started hurting. And let's, let me tell you, it shut her down, right, until she had that thing fixed. We can be healthy in so many ways. But God points to your life and says, I've got a, I've got a job for you in my beloved bride, the church of Jesus Christ, the blood-bought saints of God. And I, I put you there. I'm putting you there for this purpose, but you don't work. Guess what? We can be healthy in so many ways, but we're out of joint if you're not doing your job. We've all got a part to do, and God wants us to do it. Here's what that means. If you're here today, if you're a believer in, the church, in, in Poplar Springs Baptist Church today, God saw you coming. God saw you coming. He knew a need. He appointed you for it. He brought you here, and he intends you to use it for power in his kingdom. If you are more than a newborn infant in your faith, you should have some notion of how God has gifted you for the upbuilding of his church, and you should have some impulse to rise up and to use those gifts for what Christ has purposed them for. Don't stay where you are. Don't do it, guys. We are, are we growing in our gifts? Second measure is this. Are we growing in our work? Are we growing in our work? Verse 12, uh, it says something a little bit surprising here. It says he's given all these gifts and some of the gifts, apostles and prophets and shepherds and uh, teachers, and they're given for a special reason. Now, these are the, the people that God has appointed in, in a role of authority, in a role of teaching, in a role of shaping. We kind of uh, unify all of these in the Baptist church in the role of pastor. We may have a discipleship pastor. We may have an outreach pastor, a worship pastor. Um, God has positioned some, and he's given them a special job. Here's what the job is, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church. We might, we might have thought it would say something like this. He's given the pastors and the shepherds and the teachers to do the work of ministry. That's a lot of times how the church operates today, that there's a professional, a team of people, and then there's the rest of us. But that's not the way this is supposed to be. The pastors are to equip the saints, those who are in Christ's body, for the work of ministry. This is what it's supposed to be like. The role of the God-appointed leaders, the teachers, and the shepherds is not to do the work, but it is to build up the body of Christ for that work. In 2000, the year 2000, I uh, made the decision 
to, um, after college to go into uh, the Chattanooga Police Academy and to pursue that career. My dad and my grandfather had both retired from that service, and it was interesting to me, and <clears throat> I decided to do it, and I did do it. And they gave us all kinds of things over the course of six months of training. Uh, they uh, gave us a, a baton, if you will, uh, you know, a rigid, hard, uh, defensive tool. Uh, they gave us pepper spray, uh, and they actually sprayed us with it. Um, they gave us handcuffs and keys and leather gear and uh, a nice, nice polyester outfit. It was beautiful. Um, a badge, a gun, magazines, ammunition, training. I mean, they just dumped training into it's money. I mean, all the money for that training. And uh, guess what? When we left there, they expected us to do something with it. They didn't expect for themselves to keep doing all the work of that. They trained us to go out and do it. It would not have been right if we took all of that and went home and sat on the couch and watched cops, right? It's not the same thing. Uh, and that's the, the image of the church here. There was a, a boy, a young man in my academy named Jason. John Bodkin was the captain of our police academy. John Bodkin just quite frankly hated Jason. Um, and um, Jason was a country, country boy and he, he spoke country and, and um, just a, a good old guy. But one day we went out to the Golden Corral. I may have told you this before. And we ate at the Golden Corral, Jason and me, during our lunch break. And there was one of those big gumball machines that went with all the gumballs. You know what I mean? The big thing of gumballs at the top. And on the way, if you pay for the gumball on the way down, what does it do? It spins down the ramp. Jason, in his total academy gear, right, at the Golden Corral, on the way out, he says, wait just a minute. And he gets a quarter out of his pocket and puts it in there, turns the thing. And he gets down like a little kid. He's so happy. It's not just he wanted the gumball. He wanted the experience. And he got down and he just watched that thing go around all the way down. It clinked down to the bottom and he opened it up and got out just like a little baby with a prize. I mean, he was so happy. Right at the moment, guess who walked by? John Bodkin, right? Captain Bodkin. And I just saw in disgust Captain Bodkin just shaking his head. Jason is a fireman now, uh, just so you know. <clears throat> it's true. Um, I don't know why I was so disgusted, maybe a lot of reasons, but part of it had to be, dude, we're seriously dumping into you all this training and equipment. Well, we're trying to get you to, to, to appreciate the weight and the responsibility of what you're doing. We're equipping you for, <clears throat> for something important. I mean, for something weighty here, how in the world can you still be in that condition uh, uh, as like a little one uh, watching the gumball come down? Here's the message of the gospel here. The, 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 the role of pastors is to equip us, all of us, for the work of ministry. It is not okay. It is not okay for us to take that all that gear, all that training, the word of God, the work and the labor, the sweat, the tears, the prayers that Fletcher and Kevin and Trey and I and Vicki uh, that we pour in here. And for you to go home and be satisfied, complacent, distracted with the gumballs of the world. With the championship games of the world. I'm for the championship games. 
But that can't be the, that can't be the heart of us with the entertainment of the world, with the distractions of the world. That cannot be us. And for us pastors, let us realize that our job is not to be showmen and gladhanders. That our job is, is to, to pour into you something that lets you go out and take it and do it, the work of ministry, for building up. That's the word here, building up the body of Christ. That you can take that and you can do something with it. There was a picture I, I wanted to show you of a man at the compactor site. And I wish you could go back and look at that with me today, but I'll describe it for you. There was a man at the compactor site that one of our <clears throat> groups went and ministered to during love shows. Man, you just look into his face, it's striking. I mean, it's sunken in cheeks and no smile, just sorrow and the weathered, hard life written all over his face. You might have seen it in the video. There he was. And he's standing there, he's holding a basket full of, of stuff from you. And in there, there's a little thing sticking up and a sign that says, you are loved by God and by us, Poplar Springs Baptist Church. Such a mismatch to this, this guy and, and the, the look that he had of how life had treated him. And there he is, treasured and loved by you. Do you know who did that? You did it. I didn't do it. I didn't go to a single one of these things. Don't remember that at Christmas bonus time. But I, I, I didn't go to a, a single one of these things. I hadn't planned to anyway, but we had a lot else going on as it turned out. But you went out and did that. And to the, and to the library and to the schools and to the sheriff's office, you did. You told me they came by one by one and said, thank you. And looked at your face and some had tears in their eyes and some slipped you prayer requests. They asked you, would you come back again? I mean, these are, these are police officers in the jail. These are, uh, they, they knew that you loved them unconditionally, that, that you came there when you didn't have to. You did it. It was not me. You were equipped for the work of ministry. And let's get after it. To what degree have you taken ownership of the ministry here at Poplar Springs? Do you see yourself as a receiver of ministry only or as a provider of ministry also? Do you know yourself to be an active part of the kingdom work that God's given us at Poplar Springs? We are all ministers today. And when we get that, listen, when we get it, it will transform the church of Christ, Christ's church. It will transform what we are able to do for him. Let's, let, let that change us this morning. But lastly, are we growing in the truth? Are we growing in the truth? The last part of this is interesting to me because it calls them children. It says, let us not be uh, any longer children. And children are just tossed here and there to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine by human cunning and craftiness, deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Growing up is not only a, a, a going measure and a gifting measure, uh, it's a protective measure too. When you're grown up, you're able to defend from things that are coming against you. My son Reese sometimes goes out into the woods 
um, with me and his brother Jackson. And the other day we were talking and he said, Dad, when I'm in the woods by myself, sometimes it's scary. He said, I'm scared out, out there. He said, but when I'm with Jackson, I'm just not scared. And I said, well, buddy, what about when you're with me? You know, is, are, you, uh, are you scared with me? And he said, well, no, but I just know Jackson could beat anything. I thought, Ugh. you know, anyway. <laughs> uh, but that's the truth, isn't it? Uh, we, we, we're somebody big, right? We know we're safe, right? We feel we're safe because they can do something we cannot do. And they can certainly do something that a child cannot do. They can be aware and alert and discerning. They can see these threats coming and know where falsehood lies. They can know where the traps are and they've had experience with these things. They've tripped up before. They know how to be on guard and when it is time to do battle, listen, they've got a better chance up here than they ever did when they were down here. And here's the message uh, to these Ephesians and to us today. We are to grow up so that we can appropriate our gifts in Christ's church, so that we can do the work of ministry but also so that we can defend and protect against those things that come against us. What are the things that come against us? Hardship and calamity, for one, right? We walk through things in life that are just bad, and they just are painful, and they're just awful, and they last a long time, and they won't go away. Uh, A grown-up is able to defend against that, to be anchored in the truth. They're growing up in the truth of God. They know that he's faithful, But really what's in view here are the threats, the threats to right belief. What's what's it called here? Every wind of doctrine. That means people are coming around the the church at Ephesus and they're saying, oh, you know, you've believed this, but you really should believe this. And it's wrong. And they said, you know, you believe that what the world is doing uh, in in their religious cults, that's uh, sinful. But really, it can come into the church just the same. You wouldn't believe You'd be shocked. I can't even say it here today. The things uh, in, the, in the Roman world that were coming into the church from the culture. And people were saying, not only that it should come in, but it's okay that God is for it. And that's what they're defending against here. In our day, we have groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses. They're teaching falsehood. They deny the deity, the godship of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Uh, there are others who teach that there are many sons of God, that Jesus is merely one or that he is merely a prophet. The, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints uh, is an aberrant uh, faction uh, that, that teaches falsehood, but they come around and they, they seem right, and there are waves of doctrine that come along that could toss us to and fro and knock you off of your faith. If you're not careful, if you're a listener to the radio, to Christian music like I am, which I love, you know, contemporary Christian music, if you want to call it that, popular Christian music. But there are sometimes a song will come across the radio, it pinches me a little bit because I think that's wrong. What they just said, it sounds good. It sounds like we should nod our heads at it, but it's wrong. Are you prepared to hear those things, to know it, to recognize it? Men, are you, are you prepared when those winds of doctrine come to, to hold your family and say, no, thank you? And say, kids, uh, this is why we don't believe that. This is what the word of God teaches. Are you ready to protect them for when they go to college and everything comes at them? And the college campuses now, 
that happens at what they call free speech zones. <clears throat> they have these areas of the quad or whatever. Uh, there's all kinds of stuff out there. And let me tell you, you tip it on the, put it on the tongue, it tastes, it passes, passes the taste test, but it's not real. Are you ready for that? How do you get ready for that? Well, the, the, the pastors and the prophets and all, all these we've talked about are to equip you for that, are to build you up for that, for one. But also, just practically speaking, how do you do that? You turn to the Word of God. This is your anchor always. If we're not in this, we're not anchored. If we don't know this, we're susceptible and vulnerable. You be in a faithful, God-fearing, Bible-believing church. Go to church. That's one way to do it. Be around other believers. Be in a Bible study. Be open to correction and to teaching. What does this say here? Speaking the truth in love. What does that mean? It means sometimes we've got to speak truth to each other that's unpleasant we know it's unpleasant because it says, but do it in what? In love. None of us really wants to, 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 that to happen to us. But there are times when we have to speak the truth to one another. In Galatians 4, the apostle Paul is speaking to that church at Galatia. He says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? He told them the truth and they rejected him. If you want to be this growing up this way, be open to correction and to teaching and to letting the Lord and letting those other believers who are with you change and adjust and, and correct you into right belief. How does your knowledge of God and the things that are important to him compare to when you first started walking with the Lord? No longer be children, is what the Bible says here. How does your knowledge of God and the things that are important to him, how does it compare now that you're here with when you are here? You may be here physically, six foot tall, but your knowledge of God could still be here. He's warning them against that in this passage. Do not do that. There should be a difference and praise God he has the power to move us right along if we'll be open to him to grow us up in him and so to close today I want to ask you how is your growing going if you if you ask yourself these questions am I growing in my gifts do I really even know what my gifts are in Christ's church? Have I explored that? Have I risked a little bit to step out and to do something and to test these things, to be a part of it? Am I growing there? Am I growing in my work? Or do I just kind of come and sit here? And of course, we got these guys and you know, they're, they're paid and they're part of the staff and they kind of handle that stuff. Are you growing in your work? And are you growing in the truth. The Lord Jesus gave his life not so we could stay where we were, not so we could stay where we were, but that we could experience the fullness of life and share the outworking of his great power. And that is exciting when you're a part of it. And if you desire that, if you desire more than where you've been, why don't we seek the Lord together this morning for that for which he sought us? Amen. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Just a moment, I'd be delighted to offer you a chance to respond.
to what you've heard today in the worship hour, heard today through the Word of God. Maybe you need to respond for another reason that I haven't mentioned or that we really haven't talked about today, but something's heavy in your heart. You know you've got work to do. There's no doubt about that. It's just a matter of doing and opening your life to invite the Lord in to do as he pleases instead of what you please. Maybe today you'd come for salvation or baptism or church membership. We'll help you with that. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. Just celebrate with you and walk with you through that. It'd be our honor to stand with you for whatever you need. Maybe you come pray privately or pray with me. I'd be happy to. Lord Jesus, thank you for the word of God, for trusting it to us, Lord. Our hands are not worthy for it, but I pray you would take something, uh, take it and make something out of it in the lives of your people today that you would send us, that you would help us to be faithful, to want to grow up, to mature manhood. In fact, the Bible says, to the fullness of the stature of the measure of Christ. I don't fully even know what that is, but I know you've got a plan for me, and you want me to, to each day be something different than I was the day before, that you're growing me into the fullness of what you have planned. Father, for your church's sake, for this church here at this corner, 150 years here, Lord, Father, this morning I'm convinced that if we would say yes to the gifts from Christ, if we would say yes to, to leaning in with our lives and our sweat and our tears to what you have for us here, it would transform the church. If you would put into joint what's been out of joint, if you would strengthen what has been lame in each individual here and make this body strong and ready, Father, we, don't, we can't even imagine what you would do. So we pray you would do that today. Bring conviction into our lives that we would follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing, and as we do, I invite you to respond. <laughs>